it's a real honor to be working here today. It, it really is. And it's a real honor to be, to be serving here and preaching here today. And let me tell you why. Many, many years ago, um, God called my wife and I to come to Australia. We're from Southern California. And we've been living here for over 40 years now. And we came here. And the first time we came here, we came for one year. We were just going to try it out. A lot of immigrants are in WA and they they go through the same thing that we go through but we came here with the the purpose of um, working with another family to start a church up in Wanneroo up in um, northern part of Perth God impressed that upon our hearts to do that and I still have the same zeal the same fire just a little bit older but um, the the same desire and many many years ago um, Michael went to Bible college over in the States and, and he came back and we had the privilege of working together. And I've always had it a, as a dream um, to work together someday. And um, we did. And then God called him to move to Bunbury. And he I can remember we got in the car one day and he said, Dad, I want to show you this 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 subdivision down here. And we drove through here. And oh, my, how this place has grown. And what a tremendous opportunity. So our church there, Gospel Baptist, sponsored this church to start many years ago. Had no idea that someday I may be coming down here as well. And then I got the phone call and, and we made some decisions from that. Uh, but we thank you very much for, uh, we've just felt so at home here. And um, the many people have, have made us feel welcome. We thank you for that. Look, let's get right into the Word of God, because the Word of God is what I'm here for. So turn to the book of Ephesians, if you will, please. Book of Ephesians in chapter number 6. Now, this is the, apparently the last message in the series. And, um, and so you've been in a series called the All In Series. And this particular message is revolving around the final words of the Apostle Paul. And this is the first time you've heard this message or this, this, um, this series in Ephesians. Let me give you some background and let me tell you that the Apostle Paul is bringing this whole book to a conclusion. He's answering the so what, how do we do this questions that people have. When you receive Jesus as your personal Savior... And if you haven't received him as your personal savior, I want you to come and talk to me afterwards or, or see, see somebody and go say, look, I need, to, I need to understand what that means, what the gospel means for me. Because when you receive Jesus as your personal savior, something incredible happens in your life. And we're going to be talking about that today. But you also are delving into a whole new aspect of looking at the world. Hmm. Um, and the Apostle Paul is going to talk about this. To some of you, this will be a familiar passage. To others, you may say, I didn't know that I was getting in, involved with this. So turn to Ephesians chapter number 6. We're going to pick it up in verse number 10. And, um, and we're calling this message the, the new strength, or I like to call it putting on the armor. And the principle, it's in your notes there. The principle is in Christ. I have spiritual strength to effectively withstand spiritual conflicts. And you're saying, spiritual conflicts? It's like, like you know, you, you go into the same rosy-eyed and wondering what's happening. I, I, I had a wedding yesterday that, that I um, um, officiated. And um, when you look at the young couples, I've been doing this for so many years, you look at them and you say, 
do you really know what you're getting yourself into here? Do you really know? And then, um, and, and so, you know, um, um, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. And let me tell you, when I do premarital counseling, I've done it for years and, and, and work with them, and, and I know there's so much that can happen in that young couple's life, but it's the love and it's the commitment that will not only keep them together, it will actually show them the purpose that they have in that marriage relationship. The Apostle Paul here is going to give us some, some words here that might shock you a little bit, but it all goes together with the purpose that God has for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Let's pick up verse number 10. He starts with the word finally. It's going to be shown up here on the screen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It says in verse number 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places or in heavenly places. Verse 13 says, wherefore, or because of this, Take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am, this is the Apostle Paul writing here, for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know, the Christian life presents many challenges, and none is stronger than the battle that we are raging, not with economics, not with government, not with personal relationships, not with your boss. The battle that the Apostle Paul is opening up our eyes to is a spiritual conflict. It's a conflict that you knew nothing about. You suspected it, but you knew nothing about it, before you came to know Jesus as your personal Savior, because some incredible things happened when you became a child of God. And so as we look at this, I want to, to give you some background into this, because it's been a while probably since you started the, the Ephesian, in fact, it was before I came here, started the Ephesian um, um, series. But if you go back to Ephesians chapter number 1, and I'm, done, I'm going to spend a great deal of time here. I want to show you what the Apostle Paul thinks of you. What he told the church they are. Because a lot of times we come into a, a, a situation of relationship with other believers. And we have our ideas and our purposes for that. We need to go to God's word and see what God thinks about us. What his purpose is for us. In Ephesians chapter 1 in verses 3 to 14 especially. Listen to how the Apostle Paul starts out his letter. 
This is his letter. I know you got an email from Michael this week, and I don't know what that email said, but it probably was saying, dear friends, or something like this. The Apostle Paul says this. He says in verse number three, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. What a way to start. He's telling us that there are some incredibly tremendous things that we have in this new relationship that we have. Take the time and you go through the book of Ephesians, you're going to find the term in Christ, in him, through Christ. And in all these different things indicating here that we have a whole new standing. And this is a standing that lifts us up into a whole new realm of thoughts. And then so first of all, he says here, and I'll just go quickly through this in chapter one. He says that you've actually been chosen by the God, the father in Jesus Christ. You, you, you need to understand something very important before we understand about this armor. You understand that, that actually you're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You are a part of the plan of the purpose of God. Now, your parents may have been surprised when the day the doctor said that you're going to come. They may have been surprised. Maybe they regretted it. I don't know. But God didn't. God chose you. And, um, and, and so you became a child of God. The Bible tells us there in verse number four and so forth that you've been accepted in the beloved, a loving family. Some of us come from families that are very loving and some don't. Some come from families where you don't know what acceptance is. You, you don't understand love. And when I talk about father, you have these terrible views and you've these terrible thoughts about it. But we have a new relationship where our God, the father, loves us and we're now accepted in the beloved. And we're accepted in the beloved, but another thing that we're, we're redeemed. We sang about that this morning. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the forgiveness of sins. How good is this redemption? Well, the Bible says it's according to the riches of his grace. It's not because of anything that you and I did. It is because Jesus Christ, uh, God the Father chose you. Jesus Christ died for you. He makes you accepted in the beloved we have an inheritance, an inheritance. Some of you are probably waiting for your inheritance someday, and you're, and you're looking for that. That's the day. But no, he says, the inheritance that he has for you, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither is it entered into the heart of man, um, Paul tells the Corinthians, what God has planned for you, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit will show you these things. This is part of this. Oh, the church is so very important when it comes to that because we need to understand that we are in fact according to, we are here according to the purpose of God in our life. And then the third thing that he says here, it's very important to understand that you're saved and you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. He says all of that in the first few verses of chapter number one. He establishes for us our standing with the God, and that's our security in Jesus Christ. Now, if that's going to happen, you need to understand that you have now changed kingdoms. You are changing kingdoms. You came from the kingdom of the prince of the power of the air. You came from a kingdom where the, where the devil was really the one involved. And now you've changed and you're into a new kingdom now. You know there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be a battle that, that you and I, we, we, we go through battles anyway just being people. 
But now we find that there's, a, there's something behind this. And the Apostle Paul is going to peel it back. And he's going to show us a little bit about that. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, just for a few moments. You know, there, in your notes there, you're going to see, I've got five different points and like a thousand subpoints underneath it. Bear with us. I'll be speaking kind of fast there. So you want to adjust some notes and things like this if you want to. But I really want you to, to really, not, not so much take the notes, but to, to sense the heart of what Paul is saying here today. The first thing we're going to talk about is Paul says that you must apply your spiritual strength. You can't just sit around. You must actually apply it. You must also know the source of your spiritual strength. He says number three is your, your strength that you're going to have here is provided for you in order to do two things, to stand and withstand, not to fail. You weren't designed to fail. You were designed to overcome. He's given you this armor to do just that. The number four is he's given you not parts of the armor. He's given you the whole armor of God. Let me encourage you to meditate on passages of scripture just like this. Take that bite size and just meditate on what he is telling you to do. And, um, and by doing that and taking on the entire outfit there as we're talking about, you're going to be able to, to back up your, and this is point number five, back up your strength with prayer and then you can intercede for other people so let's get into this okay so the first thing we're going to see here in verse number 10 is how the apostle paul ends this part of the letter and whenever you listen to a sermon or, or something like this you always wait for in conclusion don't you now if you get to know me in conclusion really doesn't mean a whole lot you know but i know that i'm on a time thing because there's a time thing down here that tells me when conclusion is concluded the apostle paul says here Finally, finally. And what he's meaning by finally isn't that I'm tired of writing this letter. Now let's get this over with. No, he is saying here in the Greek language, it means he, he's indicating this is now a vital application. This is how you're going to be able to do everything I've been writing about in the book of Ephesians. Dwayne preached for us last week about some very practical things that we have in our life in marriage relationships. Things that wives were commanded to do that they cannot do in their own strength. Things that men were commanded to do with their wives. In, in other words, they were to love their wife. But not just the love that they have. Not that the love that they think that they have, but a love from a whole new level. Like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Children were told, don't just obey your parents. Don't just simply obey your parents because life would be easier. Simply obey your parents because that will teach you what it means to obey the Lord, what it means to submit to the Lord. He said the same thing to, to servants and, and same thing to employers and, 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 and so forth. And so when you get to this point, and all that was in chapters 5 and 6, and when you get to that point, you're saying, how in the world can I have this sort of strength to do this? <clears throat> and Paul says, you can't do it in this world. That's the whole point. He says, finally, my brethren, you need to apply this spiritual strength. Let me give you five reasons why you need to apply this. There should be subpoints in your notes here. Five quick reasons, and this is a quick survey of the book of Ephesians. It's a quick one. I actually had about 10, and so there's only going to be five today. And the first thing is, you must have spiritual strength, folks. You really must have spiritual strength because that is the product of his workmanship in you. 
He didn't, he didn't create you to fail. We, we had, we had, we had a, a little sign in our, in our nursery at the, at the other church, and it says, um, be patient. God is not finished with me yet. That was in the children's nursery. Another one that Lay had on, she goes, um, 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 be patient with me. God doesn't create junk. <laughs> He's, he's going to continue to do the work. It was quoted uh, this morning uh, about that. He that has begun a good work in you will perform it. He is going to do a work in you. He writes that theme throughout all the different epistles. The Apostle Paul writes that. And in this one, you need to understand Ephesians 2.10. He says this. He says, Ephesians, and I'm saying, church, understand this. We are his workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. I'm I'm quoting the scripture, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have a new walk. It's a whole new walk. You know, some of us, we we um, we think that the Christian life is taking on our culture and just adding Jesus to our culture. He doesn't want to add be added to anything. He wants to take over your life. You are now a new person in Christ. The other reason why you need spiritual strength is because you need the power of Christ working in you. Ephesians 3.20 said that. The Apostle Paul said, and, and this is part of his prayer, he says, Now to him who is able to do, I love this, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us i'll give you an illustration of that in just a moment and number three is our spiritual strength we need to apply spiritual strength that's that's why growth groups are important that's why coming to church is important that's why um, being involved in the various activities you may think that there's just a, a there's no reason for it. everything has a reason and the reason is is to bring glory to god within the church Paul says, Ephesians, you've got to understand, you don't come with your own agendas anymore. You've got a new agenda. Why? Because you're his workmanship. You've got the power of Christ working within you. And he says in Ephesians 3.21, which happens to be the, second, the next verse after Ephesians 3.20, where he's talking about the power of Christ. He says, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all ages, world without end. And he adds the word, amen. In other words, so be it oh you and i are in one of the most exciting adventures that we could ever have on this planet we get to do this we get to be involved in god working in this community we need spiritual strength for that because that has become our calling hasn't it michael mentioned that earlier about a calling you know you you don't just have callings for the professional staff no what you do Every one of us has a calling. The King James calls it a vocation. Vocation is a very important term to think about. In Ephesians 4, 1, he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Paul says, I am sitting here in prison writing this letter, but I'm not in a prison of the Romans. I'm a, a prisoner of the Lord. See the difference there? He says, Be he says, he says, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to have a walk that's worthy of the calling which you were called. Paul says, Ephesians, I want you to understand. You need to see what is God's calling for you. That's why it's very, very important for us 
to understand that we need this spiritual strength because he's given us a calling. God never calls you to do something that he doesn't enable you to do. That's a very important thing to understand. He never calls you to do something that he doesn't give you the abilities to do it. That's what spiritual gifts are all about. And then finally, we understand that we need spiritual strength because spiritual strength is the outworking that requires wisdom and understanding of God's will. You know, we often, we Christians have been around churches for a long time. We rattle things off all the time, don't we? We say, oh, we know God's will for this, God's will. Do you understand what you're actually saying here? The God of the universe, <laughs> who's omnipotent, omniscient, he's, he's everywhere present, and, and, and he knows everything that we know his will. Oh, yes, that's a very important thing because the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, 17, he says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You and I get to do that. We get to understand that. So number one is you must apply that spiritual strength if you're going to live out Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians was not written to some, some um, people who lived up in the, up in the mountains. and they, they, were, they were working people just like you and me. They went to work in the morning. They had families in the morning. They had conflicts in the morning. They had all these different things that are going on. He's talking to people who have God is working in their life, and they need to know that they have the, the source of their spiritual strength. That's point number two. The source of your spiritual strength, but let me tell you, it's not you. It's not you. The source of your spiritual strength, the Apostle Paul says, is finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord. It's right there in the verse. And he says, and in the power of his might. Boy, that takes a lot of responsibility off of ourselves. The only responsibility you and I have is to submit to his will and to trust what he has in, for us in our life. Let me tell you, that's how you came to know Christ as your Savior. If you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you probably didn't understand everything that happened in your life. You didn't, just like when a baby's born, the baby just gets born. The baby doesn't understand all the processes later on that we tell them. They go, oh, okay, we, we understand that now. But no, the baby just simply is born. So when you're saved, you're saved by the power of the gospel. So it's already occurring in your life. The Apostle Paul said this. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Let me tell you a little story. I told it in the last hour as well. There was a 19-year-old girl back in the early 1950s who lived in Chicago, and she was a troubled girl. We, we think that the teenagers have issues these days. Teenagers have always had issues, especially when they came up with the term teenager. <laughs> and this 19-year-old girl living in Chicago was having problems with her parents, problems with society, problems with a whole bunch of different things, but she would listen late at night to a radio program that you can still catch on the internet coming out of Chicago. It's called Unshackled. I still listen to it. And this young girl listened to these, uh, these programs about men and women who were involved in drugs or involved in, 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 um, in any sort of vice that would, would bring them down and how they came to know Jesus Christ is their personal Savior. It's produced by Pacific Garden Mission. They're still doing this today. And this young girl would listen to that on her radio. And she thought, 
I wonder if there's an answer out there for me. She left home. She moved to California. If you know where Chicago is in Illinois, and she moved to California, she lived with her uncle and her aunt to try to find answers. They thought, well, we'll get you out of this situation. We'll put you in here. So she's there. And her uncle and aunt went to a Baptist church there and said, if you're going to live with us, you're going to come to our church with, with us. And so she did. She said, of course I will. And she's there, and she heard the gospel. She heard the gospel message, and it sounded very similar to what she heard on Unshackled on the radio. And she tells the story. She says there was one day that she was looking, she was staying there looking at the starry night, and she says, there is a God out there who loves me. I'm going to give my life to you. And she accepted Jesus as her personal Savior. And she tells the story that, that it answered everything that she had. She had so many questions, and she says, I don't need to know the answers yet because I know that there's a God who loves me, who died for me, Jesus died for me, and I'm now a new believer in Jesus Christ. Her life was completely turned around because of the power of the gospel in her life. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he said, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us which are saved, it is the power of God. A couple years later, she met this fellow who was in the military. He was in Korea at the time. And, um, and she met this guy, and she was writing to him and all this, and he came back, and they fell in love, and they got married. And several more years after that, she had a boy, and, and, she, uh, and, and she, she would teach the gospel to that boy. And about when he was five years old, um, he knelt by her bedside and he received Jesus Christ as his Savior from her testimony. Well, that little boy was me. And that lady was my mom. The power of the gospel changed that woman's life. We buried her this week at the age of 86. Five preachers, including Michael. That's power. That's power. Completely changed her life. Her life verse became the verse that we're going to close on. So you just have to wait. Unless you want to look at the end of your notes. Then you can see it. We also see that you're not just saved by the power that's why you need this power that he's talking about, being strong in the Lord. You also need to serve the Lord in his power and not just us. You know, when we see people serving the Lord up here and we see them doing all the different things and we say, we, we say wow, that's really great talent. You know what? It's the power of God working in them. And they're exercising their spiritual gifts and the Lord talks about that and the Apostle Paul talks about that to the Ephesian church and he says, this, that's why you get to do this in church. You get to do this. Listen to how Paul described it in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 to 23. I'm just going to read a part of that verse. He says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the work of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ? And then he's going to give some illustrations about that. So here's what he's saying. I'll just paraphrase it. He is saying that Christ is working in you. How much power was that? What well, was the power that raised him from the dead? It was the power that put him in charge of 
all the principalities, all the powers, all the dominions of this planet. He's now seated on the right hand of the Father, and he is Lord. That's the power. And he says that same power is actually working in the likes of you and me today. You see that, don't you? When, when, when you're witnessing to somebody, and you have no idea what you're going to say, but you bathe it in prayer, and you say, Lord, give me this opportunity, and the Lord opens up that opportunity the verses come to your mind and you have a confidence just like the apostle paul says i am not ashamed of the gospel paul had everything to be ashamed of was his life but not of the gospel the gospel of grace so the apostle paul says that you must put on you must apply that spiritual strength you must understand the source of that spiritual strength. And if I don't get, lose my notes here, there it is. Then number three, you must understand the third thing is your strength is provided for a purpose. Your strength is provided for you not to just be successful in life and have a great life here. No, no, no. Your, your strength is provided for you to stand and to withstand because there's a battle going on. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, it's in verse number 11, against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Here's what we wrestle against. Principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You say, I didn't sign up for this. No, you were drafted. You're there. You're there. You say, well, I don't want to be in this army. Too late. <laughs> You're there. You're there. Now, what you could do, you could do what some of the Corinthians did and say, look, we're just going to live our own life. And Paul said, well, you're carnal. You're living according to the flesh. And that you're not going to have the victory. But he writes to the Ephesians. He says, no. No, he says, he says therefore, take up that whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand your ground, he says. Oh, yes, the wiles of the devil. Oh, he is, he's, th that's an interesting term, the wiles. That means that the devil has cunning devices where he ambushes us. This is a military thing here. And what would happen is if you, if you weren't prepared, the worst thing that can happen for you is to be ambushed. And that's exactly what the devil does. You think you're doing really well and everything's going well and, and all the things are, are, are doing okay for you and then out of the side. Where did that come from? Those are the wiles of the devil. Jesus said to the unbelieving Jews, he says, you are of your father, the devil. Because you know what the devil does with his wildliness? He, he deceives us. He lies to us. And he says, you're of your father, the devil. He's speaking to people who don't believe in Jesus, okay? And he says, and the desires of your father, you want to do them. He says, and I'm quoting from um, John 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. When he speaks, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus really told us what life was like. He, he, he said it like it was. The Apostle Paul says the same thing. You can't trust the devil. You know, uh, Eve didn't work out, didn't work out very well for Eve. 
when he promised her that she would have all the knowledge and Adam and Eve would, would know what good and bright were and, and, and be able to make up their own standards and all that. And then they found out as soon as they disobeyed the Lord, they lost that fellowship. They were separated from God. He's a liar. He's a liar. So he tells us that you and I, our strength that we get from the Lord is the only way that we're going to be able to stand up and withstand against those lies because you and I, well, I tell you, the devil's been at this game for thousands of years and you and I have been at this game just in our own lifetime. And so he, he, he knows what he's going to do. The one thing about it is he doesn't come up with any other plan. It's the same thing. So we can read in God's word the deception he's going to come with. And the, and the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1.21 that Jesus Christ actually has defeated him already. That's why we need his power. He says that Christ is far above all that principality and power and might and dominion. And you can understand that we could go into each one of those and describe what those mean. But that's not the purpose of this. It may be the purpose of your connect group when you, you know, delve into this deeper. So you can identify this battle that you and I are in. But Jesus Christ's authority is, I want to encourage you, church, to understand that it is far above any name, anywhere, and any time. So the book of Ephesians could be the book for Southwest. Christ disarmed these when he triumphed them over the cross. Colossians 2.15, in the context of our, of our trespasses and sins being nailed to his cross, Here's what, um, here's what Paul said to the Colossians. He says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. He was triumphing over them. Oh, yes, we can stand. We can withstand. Don't fall for the line that, oh, well, this is just the way it's going to be. I'm always going to be under this all the time. No, no, you can overcome. And he can give you the ability to do that with this armor. And with the church of God. Because he's going to bring glory through you in this church. Number four. Your strength is found in the whole armor. Your strength is found in the whole armor. Now this is normally where we start the message. Okay. In conclusion. <laughs> this is where we normally start the message. So let me just show you just quickly here what this armor is. And I'm going to spend a great deal of time. You can um, unpack that later on in, in your life groups. But the first thing that we understand is, is this armor that we have has to be all the armor. You can't just have part of the armor. It's all or nothing. And the reason will become apparent. This is a metaphor, okay? So, so, so we spend a lot of time thinking about the belts and thinking about the breastplate and all that. Think about what the belt is. The belt is truth. Truth. Remember what Jesus said? That Satan is the father of what? Lies. And so when we, are, in, uh, when we are, are fighting against that, we fight with truth. There's one thing about it is you cannot choose your own truth. You must submit to truth. You must understand truth, but you can't come up with truth. Truth is truth. <laughs> uh, this, the, the, the world's trying to say that, oh, you can have your own truth. And no, no, he says here that, no, you put on the belt of truth, verse number 14. In other words, living daily in the precepts of God's written word. Why, why is the God's written word so important? Because in John chapter 8, Jesus said this, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, 
and the truth shall make you free. That's what gives you the liberty. Liberty isn't doing whatever you want to do. It's being able and having the ability to do what you ought to do. And you have that in truth. Jesus also said in John 14, verse number 6, just before he went to the cross, his disciples were all confused of what's going to happen, what's happening here. He said, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back again, receive you to myself. And you go, what? What does all that mean? He says, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man, no person comes to the Father except through me. Oh yeah, if you're going to have a spiritual battle, you better have some truth on. You better have that really well solid because if you're not going to do that, then you're, you're not going to answer the prayer that Jesus had. Because in John 17 and verse number 17, he's praying what we call this high priestly prayer. He prays for you and me. It's a wonderful passage of scripture to read in John 17. You get down to verse number 17. Here's what he's praying with you in mind. And I know that because the Bible says he had you in mind. He says, sanctify them, set them apart according to your truth. Your word is truth. Oh, tell me some truth. I just need truth. This week, we buried my mother. Some of you are going through that as well. You have my sympathy. You definitely do. I know where you're at. I couldn't be there, but through technology, I could. And as we did that, and as, as, as the casket went down, I, I knew that the truth gave me peace. The truth that Jesus is coming back again, and she will rise again. The truth is that she's not there, that that body is just something that she was using for 86 years. Wasn't too bad, 86 years, but she's going to get a new body. The truth is that the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to be in the clouds with him forever. That's truth. And truth settled my emotions. Truth gave me confidence in the future. Truth is what you need if you're going to fight the lies of Satan. Number two is you're going to have the breastplate of righteousness. And, of course, the breastplate protects your vital organs. But the thing is, the righteousness of Christ is what you need and is what you have. You're standing in his righteousness, not in your own. Tell you what, if you stand in your own righteousness, you know what happens, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. If, if they only knew who I really was. If you only knew what my thoughts were. If you only knew my motives and all that. Now, we don't stand. We don't fight that way. We fight in his righteousness. Because you know what happened? The Bible tells us in, in Romans 3, verse number 22 especially, it says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all who believe, was imputed to you. So when God the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus' righteousness. Oh, all we do is praise God for that. That's why we sing all these praises all the time. We never get tired of singing praises because we stand in his righteousness. But it also gives us the ability to do righteousness. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the righteous things that we're supposed to be doing, now, now I hope you're holding on to your seats for this one, love one another. That's a big deal. In fact, we, the world will know 
that we are his disciples if we have love one for another. John, when he was in his 80s, was writing his, 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 his little ones, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and it's a whole thing about love. But in part of that, he says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number um, 7, he says, little children, do not let anybody deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. In other words, <laughs> you and I always have motives, don't we? And we're always wanting to please ourselves and be comfortable and all that. When you go out and you do that extra, you're doing it just like, just like the, the husbands and you're loving your wives, the wives submitting to your husbands, the, the children obeying their parents and all these things that he's been telling about. You know what you're doing? You're doing righteousness for the Lord's sake. That is the armor that you have. Another thing that you have here, as we bring this to a close here, is you have the gospel of peace. Verse number 15 talks about that. And you have a peace. There's two types of peace that we can always think about. It's the peace that we have with God. We're not at war with God anymore. You, do, you, do you know how, how amazing that is? There's so many people out there who just, they're trying to find God. If there is a God or whatever, they're at war with God. We've accepted truth. We've got his righteousness. Now we have the gospel of peace. Not only do we have peace with God, we have the peace of God. That's authentic living. I can be authentic before you. You can be authentic before me because God has given us peace. Mm, that's part of the battle, isn't it? Because the thing that Satan does is he always wants to stir up conflict and have conflict in your mind. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Philippians and he says that he will give you a peace that passes all understanding that will keep your mind and your heart. Keep your emotions. And then we have the shield of faith. I love the shield of faith in verse number 16. Galatians 2.20 talks about this faith. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, but it is no longer I who live. Well, Paul, if you've been crucified with Christ, then who am I talking to here? Who, 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 who am I looking at? He says here, he says, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I am now living in the flesh, Paul says, I live by faith in the Son of God. You see what he's saying there? He says he loved me and he gave himself for me. That's a statement of faith that came out in the way he responded to people. This shield not only protects one person, this particular shield here, I did some research on this. This shield was not just a little tiny shield. This shield was a huge thing that completely covered a person. And that shield was designed not just to protect you from the fiery darts of the wicked one, but also those around you. And so therefore, you put that shield up and others put their shield up. And then you've got yourself a barrier there where other people can come up. Can you imagine a dad who says, I am going to now walk by faith, how secure that makes mom and the kids feel? You imagine you having pastors in a church who say, I believe in God's word and I'm going to preach it with confidence and I'm going to live it before you. How a church can say, you know what? We can see and observe God in their life. So, hey, I tell you what, we're going to come under that shield of faith as well. Be protected from the evil one. 
And then we have the helmet of salvation in verse number 17. I've run out of time here, but in, in the helmet of salvation. He's not saying to be saved. You are saved if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. But you know what the helmet does? It protects your mind. Protects your head. You see, it's a head where you do your thinking. Some of you do your thinking from your belly. But it's your head where you do your thinking. And that's where you make your decisions, your life planning. The issues of life come out of your thought life. And there's so much that we could say about that. But Peter says it this way. In 2 Peter chapter 1, he talks about this, this progression. I think there's seven of them. He says, add to your faith virtue, add to virtue knowledge. Knowledge. And that's that helmet of salvation. And then finally, we have the sword of the Spirit. You know what the sword of the Spirit is? Oh, it says it on there. We gave it away. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. It's the only offensive thing that you have. You know, it's the thing that you take out and you actually do the attacking with it. Oh, you can use the sword to, to veer off false doctrine and things like this, but you use the sword to actually go in because the sword is very important because Hebrews 4.12 says it this way. For the word of God is living. It's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of your soul and your spirit. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. That's what the Word of God does. That's why you and I need to be in the Word of God each and every day. That's why we need to be around people who understand and respect the Word of God. That's why we need to grow deeper in our, in our connect groups and in our family um, groups as well as we open up the word of God and we see because the word of God will actually lead you. The word of God. It's the, it's the only tool that the Holy Spirit has, by the way. And then finally, I've said finally a few times, haven't I? And in conclusion, in conclusion, in conclusion, I'm going to close the book and that tells you everything. In verses number 18 to 20, he says that you surround all of that. This, this could be a whole new series. You surround all of that in prayer. You don't just put on the armor of God. You now become a prayer warrior. I, I think I wrote, gave you about four points on that one. There's four qualities that he gives here, qualifications or quali qualifiers. First of all, you're always praying. You're always in the state of prayer regularly and consistently. I was talking to a lady the other day on, on the street there, and, and as I was talking to her, I was praying. I was praying, Lord, open up this opportunity. Help me to help her, and da-da-da, all this is going on. And then praying under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He says praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit means that the, that the Holy Spirit knows what you need, and he'll reveal that to you. Praying is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And then also we have, we're attentive and watchful when we're praying. We're looking for things to pray for. And then finally, the Apostle Paul says, pray for other believers. And Paul says here, pray for me. Dwayne and Valerie are going to go out and they're going to be starting a new church up in the northern part. That's, a, that's an area that, that I know that Michael and I have been praying about and Dwayne has as well for many years now. And we, we've seen that area up there and God needs to bring it. And never thought that Dwayne would be doing that i know we talked about that a long time ago we've been praying about that and you know what paul says paul sa the apostle paul says pray that i have boldness to speak now of all the people i would have thought paul would have all the boldness in the world but paul says no no i need that armor just like you do 
So pray for boldness. You know the story about my mother is that my mother always said, I, I'm not worthy to do this. I'm not worthy to do that. And one time my dad said to her, how would you like to be a preacher's wife? She said, yeah, right. No way. We won't be a preacher's wife. And, of course, that's what happened. And then, then one time he says, how would you like to move around the world? There's a, there's a place down under that I'd like to go, and I think God wants me to go and start church there. And she goes, I could never do that. And she did it. And then when dad passed away, we figured that mom would remarry probably. She was only 40 years old, that mom would remarry. So what does she do? She marries another preacher. She does all that. You know, mom and I used to talk about this for uh, hours, and we talk about her life and all this, and she always told me, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for Michael. I'm praying for... She, she knew about this church. Knew, in fact, she's been to this church, and she knew all the... And you know, her, her verse was Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that kind of sums up what the, what the armor of God is. Let's all stand together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that the Apostle Paul did not mince his words. He got straight to the point. And Lord, we thank you that, that he tells us that we actually can join you in this battle, that we are your hands, we're your feet, we're your church, and Lord, we're to give that message out. But Lord, that also we're going through a lot of things in our own lives right now. We're going through things that can discourage us, things that can defeat us. But Lord, when we see the, the armor that you give us, we understand that the battle has been won. So take our life, Lord. Teach us, Lord, to stand on your truth and not to make up our own truth, but to believe your word. Teach us, Lord, to, to understand that our righteousness is found in you, that the gospel that we have is a gospel of peace in our standing with you. And Lord, help us to take up that shield of faith that we can, we can understand that we, we can live by faith in the Son of God because we've been crucified with Him. Help us, Lord, to understand that when we add to our faith, we add knowledge. And Lord, uh, build our, our faith through the Word of God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.